Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Ever seen the sky so blue? Birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. It is sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. But call me illogical, I just don't care. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. It is a sunny day. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Spending your Saturday morning with us. Numbers to call. With your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Our 10 o'clock feature is bare root roses. We're seeing bare root roses in big box stores, and I'm sure they're out in all the nurseries as well. I just happened to notice them going to the grocery store the other day. And, Ton, uh, what's the benefit of planting a bare root rose? Well, it's just less expensive. I was in Walmart yesterday. They had bare root grapes, roses, and the blueberries that we talked about. Mm-hmm. But it's just far less expensive because a lot of the bare root roses, they're at the price point of seven to fifteen dollars, are no longer patented. So you don't you're not paying royalties, and they're mass produced. So it doesn't mean that they are bad. It's just that they're maybe a little bit older than the newest ones, and they are ones that you would want to just take a little extra care for. But and even though you can buy containerized roses at a garden center, they can be twenty-five to thirty-five dollars easily. Sometimes forty, you know, for some of them they're expensive to buy containerized, and so. Bare root roses give you an option to find something more economical that will still be very beautiful. All right. You say older. You don't mean older plant. You mean an older variety. Older variety. Something developed in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even into the 90s. You know, and so there are many very good roses developed during these times that are just off patent now. So anybody can propagate them. And so that brings the price down. I'm very surprised to hear you say that they take more care because I would expect if you're planting something bare root or as a smaller plant that it would get a better stronghold and it would do better. But that's not the case. Well, the reason I say there are more care and that's up front is that if you try to plant those right now, we're still too cold. Oh, I see. And the ground's frozen. We've got snow everywhere. And so you are going to have to store them in an unheated garage or shed for a number of weeks until mid to late March before you can get them in the ground. You don't want to keep them indoors at 70 or 75 degrees because they will break dormancy and then you've got to try to maintain them. And so you need to keep them above freezing but below 40 or 45, preferably 40, so between 33 and 40 degrees. 
so that they will stay dormant, but then you can just go out and plant later. So that's one challenge. I've noticed, though, that these bare root roses and other bare root plants will be in the box stores through April, and they start to leaf out. And in that situation, you just carefully, as carefully as you can, cut the plastic wrap off and get it into a hole as intact as you can and plant it. And they're generally fine. It's just that they're more sensitive because they're actively growing then. And so the best time to buy the bare root is now, but then you have to store it. But you don't want to put it in a container because then it'll start actively growing, right? Unless you want it to. And so you could plant it in a container and just leave it in an unheated shed and it would be okay. Or you could plant it and then say you have a solarium or a sunroom, you know, that has a lot of sunlight in it. You could leave that rose out. Now, you have to be careful, though, because those roses may have scales and mites and other things on them because they haven't been sanitized. And so if you do that, you need to have it isolated and you will need to keep it in the container until May or June when it's rooted so that you can plant it in the yard. So I want to go back to what you said about older varieties because there are some incredible like English tea roses that are older varieties people really want. But when I think, when I hear the word older, I think when people hear the word older these days, older is not preferred. No, and I think for me, older is anything older than about 15 to 20 years. So there's still fairly recent introductions depending on your age. And See, so but there again, are for a normal person yeah. like me go 15 to 20 years. That's really old. Yeah. And for, for a plant, for, for plant breeding purposes, that's still very young, huh? very young because it can take, you know, five or 10, you know, up to five years to find a rose variety that you'll release to the public. And then you've got to propagate it. And so with everything going on, 15 or 20 years, isn't that old for a plant variety. So there are true heirloom roses. Most of them only bloom once a year. And so there are some out there that, like, Peace is now heirloom. It was developed right at World War II. But the heirloom roses are ones that are usually a little more thorny. They bloom once a year, but they usually are more disease-resistant and cold-hardy. So when people like these old English tea roses, I will direct them towards a series of roses bred by the David Austin Company. Mm-hmm. They're out of England, but David Austin breeds roses that look like heirloom roses that are disease-resistant and repeat blooming. And so he's got a whole series of these, and they get six inches to nine inches wide, and they're just super fragrant. But they're disease-resistant and easier to maintain than similar roses that were bred 100, 120 years ago. And so if you like that look of more of a Victorian-era rose with those great big ones, then the David Austin series is one I would look at. We used to have uh, Utah roses that just specifically carried roses um, I don't believe that they exist anymore. They don't exist in their old location. I know that. Is there anyone else that really um, specializes in roses in Utah? No, there's not. There is a Utah Rose Society on Facebook that there are some really pe- knowledgeable people about roses and have lots of them in their yards. But uh, the rose production in the 90s moved to areas of South America where the temperature 
is continuously 70 degrees. Mm. And so they just bloom like mad year round. And when that production moved to South America, rose prices just plummeted and you couldn't afford to grow them locally anymore. And so there are a number of people now starting floral businesses where they grow their own. And I think that roses will eventually be put into that mix. And so you can get fresh local flowers for weddings and arrangements, but they can be more expensive just because they're local and production costs are higher. And so I think over the next five to 10 years, we will see that come back. And that might be something we could get Sheridan or Melanie stock to come on and talk about. I just saw some research uh, they've been growing peonies and already have them blooming in greenhouses wow. or in cold flames. And so Utah has a burgeoning local cut flower uh, market developing. And those eventually will be there. But for the most part, the reason you can pick up a dozen roses from Walmart for $10 is because they're grown in South America in an ideal climate with cheap labor. Yeah, and I know that uh, Sheridan is uh, doing some stuff in the demonstration garden on cut flowers, too. She is. All right. We need to take a break. We're going to come back. Sue, you are up next on the phone lines. Number for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us, 57500. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you. We are taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions at 575-57500. Sue is on the line in North Ogden. Good morning, Sue. What is your question? Good morning. Can you hear me okay? I'm on speaker. You sound great. Okay, good. Um, Thanks for taking my call. Uh, We flipped our part strip. Um, about a year ago, and we have rock and brick in it, so there are no plants in it whatsoever. I'm looking for either a really good weed killer or a pre-emergent for that area. Okay, so is are there any trees adjacent no. to just turf on the other no. side, or there, there, yeah, there's road on one side and just turf on the other. Okay, you have a few options, and the one on one end of the spectrum would be something like ortho ground clear that you would spray on there once a year and nothing would ever grow in it because it's a ground sterilant. And so you could just walk away. And if there are no tree or shrub roots growing into the park strip, then that would be maybe a relatively safe and easy option. But Mm -hmm. uh, steering away from that into little more, when I say safe, there's a little less risk of unintended damage. You could veer towards something like Roundup, 
with pre-emergent in it so that there'd be like a season-long Roundup product or season-long competitor with glyphosate that has both pre-emergent and glyphosate in it. And that would reduce your weeding by 70 or 80 percent. Okay. Um, So there is a specific Roundup product that is a weed killer and pre-emergent? It is, and it says season-long on it. Okay. And you can pick that up from multiple retailers, and there's competitors have very similar products. Oh, okay. So there's going to be knockoffs. Yes. Okay. Can I ask you another question? Yeah, go right ahead, Sue. Okay, thank you. Um, I am moving my garden from uh, one area to another, and the, the area I'm moving it to uh, was turf grass. We did not water it at all last year and let it die, and then I sprayed it. Uh, once with Roundup, I thought the fall was going to be longer and I could spray it again. But anyway, so um, what what do I need to do? There's the dead grasses in it and dead weeds. Um, I, I thought I would just till it up and then plant my garden in it. I usually do tomatoes, um, peppers, pumpkins, watermelons, those kind of things. If you can till it up, that would be great. The tilling is going to be a little interesting because it'll be like you're riding a bucking bronco. Oh. Um, And so you may hire somebody in that does tractor work to see if a tractor-based tiller could do a little better. It might cost a few hundred dollars, but it might save you quite a bit of labor. And then you could just rake those grass chunks out and compost or dispose of them and then plant your garden. Okay. Am I going to, I've, I've had a lot of bindweed in that area. And uh, like You're I said, it's still going to have all. a lot of bindweed in that area. Okay. So I'm going to have to continue to fight that. Yeah. Had I known, I would have had you use a specific product last summer, watered it, you know, to keep the bindweed going and used a product containing quinclorac. But that quinclorac is one that you do not use in gardens. Okay. Once they're actively growing. Okay. Uh, Weed fabric, uh, would that be good against the the bindweed? It will help if you're just laying it between the rows with even with a little bit of comp or mulch over the top of it. I would Mm -hmm. take it up every year because it does break down and will get weed seeds on it. And so it's something that it can be sometimes difficult because weed seeds will grow into it. It's just more work. And it's a lot of work, (laughs) but you can... But it's one that a lot of horticulturists have been veering away from as a recommendation in favor of two to three inches of mulch or compost or mulch yeah. or like uh, grass clippings. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate having uh, this program on the Internet. I don't, don't know if you announce that very often, but I sometimes will go back when I can't catch you on Saturday and, and listen to your uh to our program. dribble. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Sue, for calling. Yeah, well, you can find the program on podcast. So, yes, thanks so much for right. telling folks. Okay. All, All right. right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, next listener, Ton, says that they have a snowball bush that's out of control. Can they cut it way back in the spring without hurting it? I would recommend a technique called renewal pruning, where they take, they go in as far into the bush as they can, and they follow the biggest branches and cut them out. Cut out 25% of them, and it'll bring the size of the shrub down by two or three feet at least. 
then let it bloom. And as soon as, as it's done blooming, give it a light haircut to bring it the rest of the way down. And every year following, about 20 to 25% of the biggest branches come out, and that will keep it to between five and seven feet. Uh, next listener says, will you give some recommendations for bushes that grow about four feet tall? They want to plant them on the south side of the house below a window, and they live in Midvale. Four feet tall and below a window. And did they mm. say if it was sunny or not? The south side of the house. South side, so pretty hot. Well, I'm particular to the Dwarf Rose of Sharon mm-hmm. plants. So the Lil' Kim series, um, and there's more and more colors coming out. You'll pay 30 or $40 for them up front, but they only get about four feet tall. And if they get a little taller, they're pretty easy just to give a light haircut to. And so Lil' Kim or some of the other Dwarf Rose of Sharon or some I would look at, Proven Winners has many, when I say many, three or four or five varieties of Dwarf Rose of Sharon that would work. Uh, If you want something lower maintenance or just that's also low maintenance, low-dense privet can be pruned like a boxwood. It does get some root weevil, and it may need to be sprayed occasionally to keep root weevil out of it. Uh, Alpine currant would be another one that's in that size range. Then some of the super dwarf nine barks. Uh, There's newer nine barks that are powdery mildew resistant that stay in that, they're red leaf that stay in that size. All right. Number to call with your questions. Phone lines are open 801-575-8255. Text us 57500. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.